I want to apologize. Apologize. And I must take responsibility. Apologize. Well, there we have it. And I must take responsibility. Deceit and deception. Just a moment. Apologize. The pathetic spectacle of a man who's run out of Rome. And I must apologize. The party's over, Prime Minister. And I must take responsibility. Is he now going to do the decent thing and resign? It's time to party. Tim is on the decks. It's the What and the Why podcast for January 2022. Welcome to the What and the Why podcast number. We're so hammered we can't remember. This is a works event podcast. So feel free to listen while drinking a suitcase of wine. In this week's episode, secret audio recordings from Downing Street. Let's get this party started! And as tensions rise on the Ukraine-Russia border, we have recordings from the Cobra meeting to look at the UK's response. Bottles of Kingfisher were also available. Oi, two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Hey, two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Two parts of lager and a packet of crisps, please. I've been here half hour and I'm getting very thirsty. And after Labour's Barry Gardner MP was revealed to have accepted £425,000 from a Chinese spy, we reveal what he spent the money on. Dr. Beer, and that there's an, there's, there's an American IPA called Dr. Beer. Well, the What and the Why podcast has its very own doctored presenter. It's <laughs> David Waywell. Dr. David Waywell. I thought I you were. Are we setting me up to say Dr. Beer then? <laughs> I, 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 we I, could I, have called you Dr. Beer. Dr. Beer. No, I just prefer Dr. David. Okay. Hi. I'm <clears> okay. <throat> thank you. Happy New How's Year. Your no, oh, look, well, statu- thank you very much for that. The statute of limitations has passed on Happy New Year. Has look, it? It's, that's that's the Larry David argument, isn't it? Two weeks. Yeah, it's too late. You know. Yeah, you're right. You well, are. I think Jerry. I think Jerry the second is about the cut off point. But, yeah. I, I I tend to agree. My mum's fine. Thank you for asking. Good. Uh, everything is as as it has been for the last two years of lockdown, going slightly mad. Uh, yeah. St- st- well, I mean. It's not really strictly lockdown, is it? But we're in and out of whatever our personal choices at the moment are my personal choices <laughs> to stay pretty, to stay stay home and out of crowds. <laughs> Unless you're in Downing Street, which is permanently there's a mistletoe above the front door, so you neck a can of lager and snog the first person you see as you walk the, through it. Apparently, that's tr- are we are we going straight there? Or am I going to ask you if you've read any good books lately or oh, any good uh, um, Oh, we, hang on, turns round. Looks at bookcase. Um, oh, um, Randomly picked um, one off the shelf. Oh, hang on. All right, I'll tell you what. I have just finished uh, Youthquake oh. about the population explosion on the continent of Africa, 
which was, I mean, it wasn't a rip-roaring read, but it was I, a I very was going to say, I can't, I can't imagine that would be a book that would grip me. Um, well, it's, it's got, I mean, I said I did a review of it um, for Reaction ah, Life, for whom yeah. we both write. Yes, um, that's true. Full that's disclosure. True. And, um, no, it's a good book, but, I th- you know, it, you have to be pretty, I wouldn't say academic, but there's 70 graphs in it. Um, wow. But, you know, it's an important subject, though. The, the, uh, also, what I, I didn't know the extent of the argument in on the continent. Um, you've got places like Nigeria, which would be to double the population by 2060. Actually, that's yeah. true of most of Africa. Um, and I've long argued that unless you can provide, like it's going to be an extra billion people, uh, you can, if you can provide the roads, the jobs, the nurses, the doctors, professors, then maybe you can manage it. But if you can't, that's an extra billion people. Uh, it's going to be a bit iffy. And he falls down, I think, most, sorry, the author mostly on that. But um, he, there's a, in the beginning of the first couple of chapters, there's all these arguments by different African leaders who are saying this is, this is just the, the, the neo-colonialism argument um, by the rich West who want to keep our populations down so we don't grow powerful. Yeah. Um, I afraid I think that's a very weak argument when you look at the state of you know places like Chad, you know, which again their population is going to double and they've they, they've already got mass unemployment and people leaving. I mean, are they saying double irrespective of like? Because I mean, it does tend to become a natural. Um, I mean, you get a lot of these forecasts that the world's going to keep doubling its population so many years, but there are natural forces that come in and kind of reverse that down there. Or suppress well, yeah, the modelling at the the model at the moment is that by that the world will peak at twenty eighty and then start to decline because obviously there's lots of countries declining. The UK is one of them, yeah. Japan, Italy, but but I just don't think that in 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 the, in, in what forty years. I'm just not thinking you can have those structural changes allowing the countries to grow rich and then therefore to have fewer children. It doesn't look like it's happening. Anyway, the other book I'm reading is Why We Fight by Christopher Blackman, The Roots of War and the Path to Peace, which it, 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 it's got a lot of human stories about gangs in, in Central America or the US and then the big wars. And that makes the point that actually, you know what? Most of the time we don't fight and mostly we resolve our differences uh, I mean, this is an argument I make when I give talks that, um, you know, there's a reason we know the dates 1914 to 1918, because yeah. that's an aberration. You know, yeah, most of the time, we're not fighting. Yeah, it's a Stephen Pinker argument, actually, isn't it, that yeah. we're actually evolving, yeah. out of, uh, we're evolving out of violence, which is, you know, hard to yeah. say when you sort of see genocides mm. and wars going on, but compared to 200 years ago, we're more civilised. Yeah. and yeah. I mean, we, we, we might be, but it's a very, very long Road. Uh, oh, it, um, it, um, have you, apart from, have you uh, opened any good bottles of wine recently? Sorry, have you read any good uh, books recently, David? I have not opened any. I've had a little bit of brandy over Christmas. I quite enjoyed a bit oh, of brandy. Right. Yeah, but um, get you. I know. Yeah. Uh, no, I've not read anything. I've been. I. I. I invested a lot of time into a, a computer game called Divinity. Not many people, you know, there will be people out there who'll go, yes, this is what we're talking about. Divinity, original oh, sin 2. Well, hang on, at this point, can we also, could you just also play that first song again about um, party? Because, pa- man, yeah. that is rock and roll. It was, it was a very, very good Christmas. I totally dedicated myself to, to doing absolutely nothing. And I did, I achieved it. Yeah. Remarkably well. I think that's I think that's the spirit of Christmas, isn't it? Oh, you've gone. Because I remember my Bible classes. Who's gone? Anyway, oh, hang on, my earphones. Oh, no. So either someone's phoning me, mm. or you've gone away. Disappeared. Or, um, are you still there? 
Yeah. I'm going to take my headphones out at this juncture, David. You can either edit all this out, <clears throat> or you can listen to me going to systems, system preferences. Oh, let's check Skype. Got yeah. the entire bleeding call has ended. Hello? Oh, I blame you. I blame you. I don't know which, actually, I've got two windows open now, and I don't know which one's the correct one. <laughs> so let me just close one of those Skype windows and at least, oh, is it that one? I don't care. It seems to be working. We're back. Yes, I had a nice holiday. Let's take it from there. Thank you. Um, well, I've now got Van Morrison's In the Garden uh, remastered from the Still on Top Greatest Hits album playing in my ear now. Um, Have you? How, how oh, cool? Because I'm recording, I'm talking to you on a bloody phone. I'm also talking to you into a computer. I've got my earbuds... Which are, oh God. You're on the phone. Oh. Yeah, you just. Uh, <laughs> I don't like technology. Uh, yeah, we just finished. Christmas. Oh, I just. It's oh, very right. nice Christmas. Yes, yeah. good. Yes, you were you were having a massive party as I remember it, and you're under that's in right. front of a computer screen doing yeah, game, gaming. Yeah, right. that was me. Yeah. Anyway, so take it away. Take it from the. Okay. Um. Can I just say that because I'm a technical idiot i am actually simultaneously talking to you listening to you and um still van morrison's in the garden 2007 remastered still on top the greatest hits is playing that in no matter how many times i've paused it where is that but it's all very weird but i quite like van the man um, I, right anyway um yes i thought he got nuts but go on carry on well van the man yeah, he's, he's, he's into every album now currently about like how he's not following lockdown and doesn't wear masks. Okay, hang on, hang on. I've just got the lawyer on the other line. And when you said, has he gone nuts, what you meant Oh, I stand uh, by that. I he, no, no, he, I stand no, by no, that. No, he, he likes um, McCann's and he's very partial to a walnut or two. Just wanted to clear <laughs> that up on legal grounds. Thank you. Well, he's, he's always yeah. been a bit eccentric. I mean, he, he, he got got. In the in the eighties, big time. Oh, did yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. And there was all no, there's all these lovely spirit. Really, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of big spiritual stuff. But yes, he has recently gone slightly down the anti-vax line. But so have mm. quite a few people. We're not. Uh, people. yeah, ten, about ten percent, twenty percent of people. So yeah, that's a lot of people. Anyway, um, should we talk about Downing Street and booze and go up. parties? Go up. Yes, well, it's not a surprise, is it, really? I mean, hardly a surprise. I mean, from the start of the... From the moment we learnt about um, COVID-19, the government... We're talking out of, you know, two sides of the mouth at the same time, weren't they? I don't know, were they? Yeah, first thing we talked about was the... This is about the UK. The UK is a faraway country about which I know little. (laughs) Yeah, but... (laughs) I don't even get that reference. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The reference is um, um, uh, during in 1939, in the run-up to the Second World War, when when various countries were busy selling out Poland and Czechoslovakia, etc. I forget who said it. It might even have been Chamberlain, but he said um, something. Somebody in the Commons said something along the lines of, "Are we really going to go to war to defend a faraway country?" Uh, about which we know little. Uh, that was Churchill, but uh, that was my Churchill accent, but he didn't say it. I'd guess that, but carry on. 
Yeah. So that's where the reference comes from. Anyway, oh. like I said, UK, because I usually do foreign stuff, is a faraway country about which I know little. So I'm relying on you to uh, well, explain uh, why this is no surprise. During, no during, the early, during the early stages of the lockdown or the COVID situation, we had a couple of podcasts where we said the government messaging around COVID was terrible because yes. uh, on the one hand, they were saying take it seriously. And at the same time, it was obvious they were also saying don't take it seriously. Uh, and that's persisted through two years. We've, we've gone from lockdown you know Boris Johnson has clearly been um, attracted by the libertarian arguments mainly pushed by the right mm-hmm. right wing press who might have had a vested interest in not seeing their own sales slump because people were working from home uh, and therefore we've had this this these, these two messages coming out which is take it seriously don't take it seriously and that that has evolved into this sort of slightly fuzzy libertarian position where it's like everybody take responsibility for your own health and your own situation and of course you know it's great if you've got a job and you can decide to work from home because you're the boss or because you've got a job where you can work from home but there's a lot of people who don't have that choice and they're forced out Mm. even against their own wills to suffer suffer from because i'm posh i get the times and at the weekend, it's it's fun guffawing at all the articles that are in the magazines saying, why, yes. we're all working from home now. Yeah. No, yeah. we're not. Most no. people are not working from home. What are you on about? Because, yeah. you know, I make widgets in a factory and they haven't yeah. brought the lathe around to my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a washing machine yeah. man out and he was out 24-7, you know, fixing... Well, no, not 24 No, no, but you, know. you took your washing yeah. machine home and tinkered with it. In his kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had, to, I had to post it to him so he could fix our washing machine. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's but like, if it was Hermes, nobody would ever arrive. Yeah, I mean, pro- the, 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 but this is the problem with the media. I mean, it makes me laugh about how they've suddenly turned on Boris Johnson after all these months. When, I mean, didn't it turn out that the guy who they're having the party for is now deputy editor of the Sun? I mean, Correct. there's too much overlap between the government and the media, um, and this Correct. has been this has been happening for too many years. People, well, also, there's a couple dumb. at the BBC um, who. When this, this, this latest party story blew up, um, when this party started, when this party story <laughs> started, you know what I mean, they um, put stuff out saying, um, yes, we had emails at the time from Downing Street staffers who didn't go and felt uncomfortable. And you think, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. Why didn't you say something at the time? You know, you don't yes. have to reveal your source. Yeah. Yeah. You can say we've had Downing Street, so, you know, but... Yeah, it is. It is a bit cosy. I mean, I mean, I've had experience of this. You know, I've had when I when I when I was a working journalist, I had friends in um, reasonably low places, and um, you know, you had a good relationship with them. But you never let it get in the way of uh, you know do, doing your job, and you always keep your distance. You know. Yeah, I there's. I think that's a, that has been a justified criticism. The idea that too often the the, the journalists have access to Downing Street and because they have access they don't want to mm-hmm. risk that by reporting on sort of like you I mean you've just said you know there's tittle tattle about mm. what's really going on well they can just say well it's tittle tattle but at the same time you know if you've got sources yeah. you should report what's going well, on. Well this is why you have to keep your distance because you will be drawn in uh, and, it's, yeah. and it's very very tempting now I, I, I and look, this, is, this is the same in all walks of life you know, if you're a if you're a, an inspector of something, and then it, you know you're, you're actually really good friends with the restaurant owner or whatever it is that you're inspecting, it becomes harder to do yeah. your job properly. It's why you have to have distance. I mean, I, I remember Kelvin McKenzie. He, he was editor of the Sun, um, and he was no fan of John Major. And after Black Monday, I think it was called, when when the British 
fell out of the exchange rate mechanism a long yeah. time ago. Um, John Major, PM, rang him up and said, you know, what, what are the front pages going to be like tomorrow? And he said, let me put it this way, Mr. Major, I've got this big bucket of shit next to me and I'm going to pour it all over your head tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. the sort of relationship yeah. we, we, we need. Um, but that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's what we should that's what we should have. But this, we've got. I mean, it's no mistake that Boris Johnson was a former journalist, and as a former journalist, he was renowned for telling porkies. I mean, he made his career telling porkies mm. about the EU, mm. about the whole bendy well, banana laws, and you know, Congo was going that. to be too I small. I knew him at the time. He, he uh, and in later years, he waltzed up to me when he was foreign secretary and uh, told the biggest whopper ever. He said, "Tim, Tim, oh, I just loved your book. Loved it." And I thought, have you read it? <laughs> no, perhaps he had. Okay, yeah. look, let's not talk about um, Mr. Johnson, as he's known, not Boris. Um, well, I know, it, it does It does come from the top, doesn't it? I read a line... It does come from the top, yeah. yeah. I read a line that if, if Gordon Brown, you know, the, the great clunking iron fist, Presbyterian man of the Kirk, son of the Kirk, rather, had been there, you know, he would have marched out of Downing Street into the garden and said, you lot, sort yourselves out. Whereas, yeah. you know... Fred, Mr. Johnson sort of said, you lot, where's my drink? Yeah. I mean, there's a story in the Times, somebody told me this morning, who um, that Boris Johnson, when he, I think it was his second period of isolation, staff in um, Downing Street were having difficulty keeping him in his rooms because what they did is they tried to keep him in his office and give him like a, a, a bit of a run to these private, you know, private rooms, at the apartment mm-hmm. at the top into the office. But he kept wandering out. So they ended, ended up having to put... Um, chairs across the door to stop him mixing with yeah. people because he just yeah. didn't understand the the rules. The rules don't seem to apply mm. to him. And yeah, yeah, he had COVID. It was very, very serious. Listen, I am not as excited as much of the media is about this. Certainly, the photograph in the Downing Street garden. I haven't got a problem with that. They're all working together. They are in very small groups. They're outside. They're outside their place of work. They've gone out for a quick break and can get back in. They're doing sixteen-hour days, but. The uh, less than truthful relationship with all that, and then that there's suitcases full of bottles of wine <laughs> going in. And I mean, is it true? I haven't checked that story out about there's a disco in the basement and they're dancing, uh, you know. That then it just gets how incredibly stupid are these incredibly highly intelligent and well paid people not to think that at that time when everyone else is doing X and they're doing Y, that A, they're not doing something wrong, and B, it's not going to come out sometime. Uh, I'm not sure about the disco. I know there was a... I mean, this. I agree with you, actually. I'm not getting as excited about it as um, some some of the media are because there was a video of Boris Johnson dancing at a disco yesterday yeah, that it. emerged, but it was, like, from 2012. And it's like, yeah. well, what's wrong? He, he danced at a disco in 2012. What I think is happening, and I think this is a, another problem, and I think it's a media problem, is that... We've had months and months of them giving giving the government too easy a ride over COVID and accepting the lies and not really calling them out. And now it's turning into they want rid of him. I think basically the right wing press have decided, right, we're gonna have a different we're gonna have a change of government. And now they're going too far the other way. It's like literally any kind of sign of a bottle of wine within ten miles of 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 um, Downing Street is um a grievous sin, so... I don't think it's uh, the right-wing press. You don't think? No. You don't You don't think, like, the Telegraph suddenly turned on him and they've realised, like, he's a, a dead weight? No, I think it's the Tory 
party. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that the media in general cannot uh, resist, nor, nor should they, this opportunity to um, give him a kicking. No, I, I, I don't see it as the right-wing press have decided who's going to be Prime Minister of this country. I don't... I, I'm, I'm not saying it as explicitly as that. What I, what I think I, I think it is, I think they... Whether they just sense the mood music within the Conservative Party, it's just that something's mm. happened where for months they defended him, they accepted all his lies, and now they're going completely the other way, attacking him on some rather thin... I, I mean, there's some of the things they're accusing him it just seems ridiculous i mean there's it seems to me like they should have been harder on him, him earlier and a little bit ha- less harder on him, on him now there needed to be more balance throughout yes i think for too long there's been the um, you know the jollification no ho 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 yes exactly yeah exactly yeah and now the, and now it's like now they go clearly the other way <laughs> Oh, sorry, I was just um, on the front of Downing Street. Yeah. <coughs> Where were we? Go on, we're talking about they've been too easy on Boris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I've just popped out for a minute. Um, what, what yeah. did you want? Yeah, go on. Where were we? This, this, that's uh, not, that's, listen, uh, uh, it's not too party subtle, noise. Se- not too subtle segue into the next subject. That was, in other words, party noise. About, one hour party ambience. You can find it on YouTube if you want it. Yeah, that's gonna, I'm going to love editing that. Mm. Get it into well, overlap nicely. Okay, well, I'm, just, I'm just popping in for a minute and I, I promise I'll come out for a fact. Hold on. <laughs> No, I've just seen. I've just seen. John's just come in, and I'm. I've just. I've had it with him. I'm not talking. That's it. I'm not going back in. Okay. Where were we? Oh yeah, Russia. I don't, Russia. Okay. Take it away. Um, I should have just asked the question. Do you think they go, Russia, you are know. they are they going to invade or not? Um, more importantly, did you get my joke about the Cobra meeting? Kingfisher, was it about Kingfisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the yeah. Cobra meeting, Cobra Indian beer. Get it? No. Right. Um, I look. I don't know if they are. Um, I had a word with Vlad, Vlad the Mad, the other night, and he just he just wouldn't say. He said, "I might, might not." Um, I was, I was. Um, I said categorically about three or four months ago, he will not invade this year. Yeah. I was very confident of that. <laughs> I am now absolutely 50-50. He might do this over the next four to six weeks. And the reason for that is the weather. Mm, okay. I thought that might attract your attention. <laughs> He's got a shed load of... Um, that's a military term. He has a shed load of um, mechanised... Um, brigades ready to go. Very big shed. Um, yes, and um, including uh, some uh, bridge laying um, battalions or whatever they're called. If I'm not a military person. Yeah. Um, oh God, do you know that um, that disco thing is flashing? I must cover that up. Oh, yeah. um, sorry, it's coming through the windows. 
Yeah, it's got all these bridge laying uh, mechanized uh, advanced, you know, tra- and, yeah. tracked yeah. Vehicles. yeah, blah blah blah. Now it, it's pretty cold, but the, the ground doesn't deep freeze until about the end of uh, well, it starts to deep freeze about now, right through till about the end of March, roughly speaking. And the terrain going straight across into Ukraine, uh, they could probably do coming up from the Crimea to to meet the forces coming. Uh, from the east into the west, possibly also doable. But it's when you come in from the north down into Ukraine, you get into really, really boggy land. And in the outlandish scenario that he goes into Belarus and then comes goes westwards into Belarus and then comes down into Ukraine behind Kiev, you got me? Yeah, yeah. To encircle yeah. Kiev. Uh, doesn't mean they have to take the city, and they certainly don't want to cross the bridges in the city because that's a really bloody affair. But you come down through the um, Priapet marshes if you do that. It's really, really boggy. You will not get your mechanized divisions uh, brigades there through there after March, which is why this very dangerous window is opening. And the other reason to be concerned is is there was a cyber attack on Ukraine yesterday. Uh, sorry, the end of. Which is a precursor to show what you can do. It's a test, and most seri- most most worryingly, they have clearly set up these series of talks to fail. No question about it, because they have stipulated right from the outset things which are completely not going to happen. So consequently, you, your narrative is to go back to your people and say, "Well, you know, we were reasonable. We tried, and they're not having it." And that then gives you, especially also if there's some sort of incident on the border, gives you the, the, the ability to tell your population, okay, which is why we were forced, you know, it's with a, it's with a heavy heart that they forced us to do this. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, even though it's not. Um, even for some sort of um, limited occasion, which would be the minimum, if you want to save face, at this point. So, you know, there's all sorts of scenarios from limited incursion to actually encircling Kiev uh, and we are approaching we are approaching decision time for this year. And I noticed the Americans warned yesterday about false flag operations in Ukraine as a a pretext, yeah. a pretext for like I, I don't like that. No, I don't like sorry, I was sitting back in my chair and realizing I'm a mile away from the dodgy microphone because my real expensive microphone doesn't work. Um where were we? Yeah, I I don't <coughs> I'm I'm cautious about the phrase false flag because every bloody tin pot conspiracy tinfoil wearing theorist yeah. on the internet you know, says that every single thing that ever happens is a false flag. However, it is true and has been proven throughout many um, centuries of warfare that people do stage things in order to make things happen. I mean, one of the famous ones, the Japanese, the Nanking incident in, um, in China, when they blew up, they blew up a railway line in order to be able to blame the Chinese. It's, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it does yeah. happen. Yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, you can't rule it out. Yeah, at the same time, I, I noticed some analysts saying, actually, the cyber attack yesterday wasn't actually anything significant. It wasn't no. big enough. It was, they said if a few kids could have done that, it was something that had happened before, and it wasn't a a, a, a sign of necessarily of anything happening. Well, I mean, no, it doesn't... No, but, I mean, but, but it's a test. But No, you're right. Yeah. This, this was not aimed at bringing down government websites which control the movement of troops or whatever, but it was... Yeah. It, it looked to me like it was a test. But um, what does Putin gain, though? I mean, surely the, what he's going to lose is incomparable to what he's going to gain. 
Yeah, um, this is again what people are trying to work out, and it's also why you know you've got reasons to be skeptical that he's not bluffing, in order to set these um, uh, these, these rules that he knows won't be agreed to. But what he gets yeah. out of it without invading, is that America treats Russia as an equal, that they do agree to spheres of influence, that they give a nod and a wink, um, you know, that will never let Ukraine and Georgia yeah. into NATO. And he has to then spin it and present it to his people as, as, a, as a victory. Against that, though, oh, and also by not doing it, you get the um, Nord Stream 2 pipeline signed off and, it, yeah. and the, the gas begins to flow this summer, and uh, Europe is even more beholden to him. So there are advantages to going this far and trying to get something out of it. But, sorry, the advantage of the military invasion is that Russia is genuinely concerned. I mean, they're not pretending yeah. to be concerned that NATO is a threat. I don't think NATO is a threat whatsoever. It has troop reductions. The Americans have redu were reducing... Um, there, there is no frontline troops pointed right at them. But, you know, we've been through this before. Because of its geography, because of its history, Russia is genuinely concerned that the, the Western powers, who have invaded them several times from the same territory that they're now concerned about, uh, and that if Ukraine one day is allowed in, you've got NATO's troops on a massive long border of open flat ground, Two or three hundred miles from Moscow, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, but paradoxically, if he does go into Ukraine, he's going to get exactly what he doesn't want. Yes, which is all, he's going to have all the you know the, the border is going to be reinforced with all these yep. troops coming back from yep. Europe. He's going to get I'll, the exact opposite of what he yep. wants. I'll, hang on, I'll come to that. Um, what else you gain is you um, <laughs> you take a third or even half of Ukraine. You have then built in this three or four hundred mile wide buffer zone uh, from NATO um, because, you know, they, they don't really mind if, if it's Ukraine. If, it, if the NATO's border is the, the Dnipro River that goes through Kiev, you've still got several hundred miles before you get to the Russian border. So that you've built your buffer zone in. And after a decade of having to rebuild the Donbass, because then it becomes their responsibility if they annex it. And this is one of the reasons why they haven't rebuilt it. I mean, they have eventually, it essentially, have already occupied 15% uh, of, of Ukraine, but they don't admit it and they don't annex it because then they're financially responsible for it. At that point, you would have to annex it, at which point you are going to have to rebuild it at the cost of billions. But it is the industrial heartland. So consequently, in the longer run, much longer, you know, 20 years, you are actually making your country more economically powerful. So there's two reasons, the long-term economic one with the short-term economic pain and the, the geographic um, uh, advantage. Yeah, but you're right, the disadvantages, I think, outweigh real doubts over Nord Stream 2, losing thousands of troops, uh, the, the, the financial penalties against them absolutely dwarfing what was the sanctions that have gone before. I mean, just just a different magnitude. And the point you made, David, at that point, uh, Poland is reinforced, the Baltic states are reinforced, and you start to think to yourself, well, why not let the rump Ukraine into NATO? And Finland and Sweden may join NATO. So, yeah, I, I, when I look at it, I just think the, the amount of negatives outweigh the positives for Russia. But, hey, I don't know. 
And the, but and there's also an advantage to Europe for him invading in the sense of it might actually change the strategic attitudes towards energy, which is always it's become a, it's becoming an increasing problem. But you know, if we start to look for our energy elsewhere, then that's one less mm. concern. I mean, we should be yes. doing that anyway. It would it would it would accelerate uh, what has already happened, which we are pretty desperately trying to get alternatives, certainly from renewables, yeah. but also if you look at the um, LNG. Um, terminals which are being built along the Baltic coast for liquid um, um, gas um, coming mostly from America, uh, that would accelerate as well. So yeah, this is why I, you know, I've, I mean, I remember people three or four months ago saying, you know, no question, he's on the move, he's going to invade, and I still think you've got to be, you've got to be, you know, you've got to look at it that thinking maybe, maybe not. But he 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 had to look convincing in order to get any concession yes. i mean what he's asking for is he's actually asking for them he's asking for the americans or nato to say something that they'll never say but they are almost almost saying i mean they're going as far as they can to say to yeah. say it without saying it yeah anyway. what what in 20 i think it was 2010 uh 2011 ukraine applied uh, to join nato and um it was agreed that the application was not refused but there was no timeline for it to be accepted. You know, it usually takes about a decade from once you are, you are less than, it takes years from the moment they say, yes, you know, we'll, we'll look at your application to actually coming in. They haven't even begun that process. And then at the last year's, yeah, I think it was last year's NATO meeting, um, that was reaffirmed, you know, that there is no foreseeable date for you to join. And again, this was a knock to Russia. You know, look, we can't have you saying who doesn't doesn't join our club, but just you know, just you know, let it be known they're not coming in, and they're not because we don't want to fight for Ukraine or Georgia for that yeah, matter. Yeah. But if you if yeah. they invade at that point, situation might change. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Next, <sighs> China. 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 <laughs> For those yeah. who don't know, the, the, oh. the, the brilliance of... Actually, look, it's dead easy to make fun of this, and um, I don't think we should let that opportunity pass. But <laughs> much as I think it is comical that they targeted Barry Gardner MP, um, I can also explain why. Okay. Anyone that didn't, didn't follow it, the, the Chinese have this thing called the UFWD, uh, the uh, United... The United Front Work Department, comrade, and it's the it's part of the Communist Party. It it uh, reports to the Politburo, and it, it it just seems like well, it's just the United Front Work Department. What's wrong with that? But actually, it's a sort of it's a sort of spy agency that its job is to get into countries, and that doesn't mean that they infiltrate and put somebody into MI five or MI six. Uh, oh, they would love to do that. It means that you you approach with a disguise of being um, a solicitor or a, or a company or a, a fellow uh, Chinese journalist or academic. I mean, they are huge in our universities, the Chinese um, spies. This is true, yeah. yeah. And you you just make friends. And then you get invited to a cocktail party. And at that, at that cocktail party, little gossip is exchanged. And then you find out, oh, I didn't know that Mrs. So-and-so is an alcoholic. Very interesting, you know, a, yeah. a, a vulnerable person. Oh, and 
that person is, is gay, but um, for whatever reason in the 2020s still hasn't come out. And this person has a sexual um, predilection, etc. And so at, at all levels, in academia, inside journalism, inside politics, you've got these footholds. And if any of these people then, in 10 years' time, are at much senior positions, fantastic. So Barry Gardner was, was I mean, you know, let, it's so funny, you know, because Barry Gardner is, is, is uh, not regarded as a, you know, a, a man with a, a great destiny. Yeah. Um, he's not stupid, but he's also not regarded as one of the great political thinkers of the United Kingdom. And he was just a sort of background figure in Jeremy Corbyn's years. So why were they bothering? They were bothering for that point. Because, you know, if you get 10 of those and one of them is a rising star in the shadow cabinet, uh, oh, in six years' time, they're in the government and they're a privy councillor. And at that point, you've got a great relationship. So that's how it works. Well, Bushy was doing this. Bushy was doing this in the 70s, 60s, 70s, wasn't it? Absolutely. They were deep inside the British unions, for example. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you know, you front front companies, uh, boilerplate, um, you know, offices, um, and there's so many of them. And of course, the MI5 has to try, you know, and they're very, very busy with all sorts of things, but they also have to try and find out of all the thousands of completely law abiding Chinese people here, both Brit Chinese and, and um, Chinese Chinese, uh, doing perfectly, you know, adequate, good, decent, honest work, which of them are actually also doing X, Y, and Z. And of course, the Russians are doing it as well. So MFI is very busy in the Chinese. There's a lot more Chinese than there are Brits. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, you made the point that the Russians are doing it. I mean, the Russians funded that, the, um, what was the deal-fated uh, media centre in Downing Street, didn't they? Oh, was it, yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? One of the uh, they, yeah, they, 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 there was, yeah, and uh, well, our nuclear power stations and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. that's, that's more overt. This is, uh, I mean, she was hiding in plain sight, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saw, I, I, I came across uh, what I think was probably a Chinese spy at Cambridge. I didn't go to, well, I went to Cambridge because I was um, not the university. Well, no, can I start buy a, again? You went to, you went to Cambridge, to, you went to Cambridge to buy a tie, I think is the old joke. Isn't it? Like <laughs> <laughs> I went, is it up? I don't know what they say. Do they go up to Cambridge or down to Cambridge? Down to you know, people that have been to university there, they say, oh, yes, I'm, I've gone down to Cambridge or. Anyway, I didn't go to Cambridge University as a student. I went to Cambridge University a few years ago to give a talk. And after the talk, I was accosted in a friendly manner by a Chinese, a senior Chinese and and, and grad student. And the longer the conversation went on, the more I thought, this is a bit odd. There was just something about the questions I was being asked and the relationship and I mean, like your pin, your pin number, where you keep all your documents. Do you, just, do, you, do you own a dog? That's those questions. Yeah. They were just fishing, you know, yeah. for info. And I, it just didn't feel right. And I thought it was quite fun. So I told her, you know, well, we've got this hypersonic missile that you haven't, you know. And she freaked out. And <laughs> Have you ever seen my man, my man in Havana? You, I hope you pray that we don't actually have a hypersonic missile because you could have actually given away a state secret there. <laughs> Yeah, oh God, yeah. Well, we haven't. Um, actually, we do want one we, uh, because, um, you know, everyone else has got one, so Britain should have one, I think, is partly the, uh, the rationale. Yeah. Um, no, no, we are genuinely looking at um, uh, hypersonic missiles now. No, Our Man in Havana, uh, Graham Greene novel. Yeah, that's right. Made into a fantastic film. It's a light comedy with dark 
elements in it, which, you know, the best comedy often has a bit of dark element. And it was made into a film with Alec Guinness starring, yeah. in it, and it's set in, uh, in, obviously, in Havana. Basically, Alec Guinness is this uh, shoe salesman in a shoe shop, yeah. um, sort of expat, a bit down on his luck, and he's a bit short of money. And the, 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 the MI6 guy is leaving, but he needs someone to sort of, you know, keep an eye on everything. So he, he gets Alec Guinness to go to all these cocktail parties, you know, and this is an idiot abroad, utterly out of his depth. Yeah. And um, he, he just picks up a bit of completely inane gossip and sends it off to London. But for some reason, it just chimes with something else that happened. And they think, blimey, this guy's good. And then, so they start <laughs> paying him. And then week after week, he has to make up all this outrageous stuff about yeah. people. And then he gets, then the Soviets get hold, get hold of what he's doing, thinking he's a real spy, tell the Cuban intelligence services. They then start investigating all these people that he's making stuff up about and thinking that they are actually now British agents. And it just gets worse and worse for him and in a very amusing manner. Well, I just thought that this woman, um, Christine Lee, this Chinese um, alleged spy uh, in London, you know, she probably got hold of Barry Gardner and then she probably wrote home and said, this guy, he's the real deal. You know, this guy knows all the secrets. And, um, you know, that was it. You know, well done, Christine. I mean, she paid him 500,000? Over 475,000. Oh, sorry, I apologise. I, I apologise, and it's only 475,000. Yeah. It shows you we've got a problem with money in our politics. Doesn't it? it, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it this should be a bigger story it is, than it is, yeah. It should, it should be, but it, the problem is it. Everybody's at it, you know. I mean, um, everybody's at it, even if it's not coming from dodgy sources like the Chinese. There is too much money going into yeah. our politics, and there's no excuse for it. I mean, they're on big wages anyway, and then they sort of take everybody's money away and then vote themselves a nice little. Well, yeah, and also, um, uh, Mr. Gardner I, appears to have used the money for his office expenses, um, you know, staff, uh, photocopier, or whatever, and had. Guess guess who guess guess who works in his office? I was about to say it's not his family's, it's daughter. It's, it's, it's Mrs. Gardner. Mrs. Gardner works there. Um, yeah, I was going to say that's one of the big problems in our politics. Too many MPs employing the family on high wages to work yeah. in their office. It's it's terrible. We need to have we need it needs cleaning up. It's it's right. It's, it's I mean, can you blame can 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 you blame yes, the can. Chinese? Yes, I can. Oh, no, uh, no, I can't blame the Chinese. We're, we're, su we're us, such though. idiots. Oh, yeah, we yes. can blame us. But, I mean, if you've, if you've got a, a system which is open to corruption, you're going to get corruption. Okay. Um, now, I think much more importantly, did you know that Barry Gardner is a, um, a very, very good at whistling? Oh, I'm not making this up. Do. Are, we, are we doing a fact on Barry Gardner? Oh, bugger. Do you know what? I completely forgot to do any facts. Um, well, we could have done no. it about Barry Gardner. We've got at least one. Is very good oh, but, but there is that joke I've just thought of that um, if the police or MI5 interview him, it could be called Gardner's Question Time. <laughs> hey, hey! No, seriously, he can whistle. And um, I, I, I didn't mean to put this in, but while we were talking about Mr. Gardner, who, who seems a very nice man, um, I remembered that and I've just found um, Barry Gardner MP entertains by whistling some Mozart. Are you ready? Okay, go on. Thank you.
a Mozart for you there, David. Yeah, I like the early version, which was the, was that the, was that the club mix or whatever it is. <laughs> well, that was playing at the same time, so I had to kill it. Yeah. Oh no, it's not doing it for me. Oh, hang on, getting better. Beginning to feel a little bit sorry for Mrs. Gardner if she has to listen to that all day. <laughs> I, I I was rather hoping you were going to do a bird song, um, like Percy Edwards. Yeah, well, I mean, we did that a couple of years ago, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm going to find that as well uh, because there are people. There's one or two people <laughs> who, who don't know um, Percy Edwards are, is. Who, yes, and who didn't listen to our podcast from uh, 2019. Uh, what's it called again? Percy Edwards. Oh, thank you. Percy, Percy, Percy Edwards. Edwards Bird Impressions. And they missed Bird that, and it was a highlight. It was the only, um, possibly the only, the only highlight of those two years, yeah. Here we go. You ready? Technicolor, um, he's got a uh, tam o' shanty on and a jacket, it's in black and white, and he's addressing us now. Been able to whistle just like a fellow friend, and shall I say, knowing just a little about it. But I want to tell you how it's done. Whenever I hear a bird whistling, I'm not very sure of, I've got a very simple method. I follow words to the calls of all words, and the easiest the sparrow, the blackbird, the missile thrush, the most difficult of all. He will, he will whistle in a minute, I promise you. Hang on. Chitty Jew, Chitty Jew, knee deep, knee deep, white cap, white cap, pretty Jew. I want you to follow my whistling. You'll find I repeat these words. Here's their story. Now follow. Well, you can't do that. I'm just wondering whether Percy Edwards was the Chinese sleeper agent there. Uh, could have inspired. Hang on. Oh, look, it gets. I'm, I promise you, just a little bit more. Here we go. Here's some simple calls of the wild. The calls of hoolets. Here's a barn owl. Here's the call of the snowy owl. You kept promising it would get better, but I don't think it did. Are, are you kidding? That snowy owl was magnificent. Hmm. It's funny, isn't it, how edgy... Oh, God. That was me. I I could tell. Isn't it funny how entertainment has changed over the years? We used to actually watch that (laughs) and think, think, oh, that was great. That was great television. I still would. I'd watch that if it came on now. Yeah. It's like juggling a magic axe. I mean, did anybody really enjoy magic axe? I mean, I like Penn and Teller. Tommy Cooper? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I was a genius. Top, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you think, yeah, Tommy Cooper was great, and I remember, I remember watching him die on stage the, the night he died. I, I remember it on a, it was actually on TV live, but um, you go back and watch some of his old acts, and it's it's they're not as good as you remember. A bit like Monty Python. A lot of Monty Python is a lot, uh, a lot worse than you remember it. Maybe it's just yes. Like, no, no, I would I would agree with that. Um, but not I will not hear a word said about him. Um, 
Tommy Cooper. Tommy Cooper. <laughs> well, I recently watched some of Malcolm and Wise, some of the old Malcolm and Wise, and it's not as good as you remember it. I don't know. Sorry. Hello. Um, um, are you re- no. You look. You look. You look. You're looking for- yeah, of course I am. Here we go. <laughs> Next week you're going to play us some uh, Marcel Marceau, aren't you, for us to admire? <laughs> it's great podcasters. No, it's, it's, the, it's the old Spoon Joe, Joe Joe Spoon. Um, thing is that, of course, anybody under about um, ooh, 62 um, will have no idea what I'm on about. And it's just, it's, it's about, it's like, it's like somebody going on about um, Arthur Askey to us. Because I don't think Arthur Askey was very funny. Did you? No. No. Uh, a little bumblebee. Uh, no, no. I, I, I used to like Will Hay, people like that. But yeah, there's a lot you, of... Which you play for Blackburn? Hang on a minute. How did you get to Will Hay from Tommy Cooper? And by the way, younger listeners, Tommy Cooper was a very, very funny man who used to pretend not to be able to do magic and mess all these tricks up, but actually could really do them, which is why it was all very funny when he messed them up. And it was in the 60s and 70s, even into the 80s, which means it's a bit like you and me, listening to some two old geezers, talking about comedians in the late 1940s. No, it's... No, I wish I'd never started this. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think there's some comedians which have maintained their greatness through the time, and I think some have just sort of... Yeah. I mean, like, Norman Wisdom is just not... I think no. you go well, back to yeah. Norman Wisdom. You, you, 40 seconds of Norman Wisdom rolling around on the floor and, and shouting Mr. Grimsdale, and the rest of it, no. Marx Brothers... 50% of it, you know, when the when when Groucho is making white cracks, yeah, but some of it, when they're drinking water through their beards, whenever, yeah, but no. Yeah. So my brother keeps, well, he doesn't keep ringing me up, but every now and again he rings up and he says, oh, such and such a comedian program, and I have no idea who he's talking about because I don't watch telly, and I haven't watched telly for about five years. So can yeah. you tell me of any famous comedians um, now? Give me, give me five and, and I'll see if I've heard of them. Oh my God! Well, you know Tim Vine, don't you? Because you love oh, Tim yeah. Vine. Yeah, but, but uh, ten years ago. Uh, Stuart Lee, I like Stuart Lee. I, I've heard of him. He, he he writes in the Observer sometimes. Yeah, it's not very good actually. I don't I don't like his writing as much as his comedy. His comedy is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying. God, I'm rack, I'm rack, I'm racking my brains now. It's like uh, Johnny Vegas. Oh yeah. Like, Johnny Vegas. But who are those people uh, that appear on Bob, um, that one where they just they're snide about everybody? It's a weekly quiz show panel. Have I got news for you? Yes, yes. They're just sort of, you know, snippy. Not very yeah, it's not very good. Who are they? I don't like. Do you mean uh what's his face? The the two leads. Uh um, no idea. Hislop, Hislop and Merton. Ian oh, Hislop yeah. and Paul Merton. Paul Merton, yeah. No, you I need uh, people who are under thirty, please. I know, I know, but I'm wrecking me brains. You know, it's like you put me on the spot here. Um, right, that, that nice Welsh know. bloke. Not Hugh Edwards. Um, <laughs> to be the other Welsh bloke, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no, he's got a podcast. No, he's not under 30. He's got a podcast. He's very, very It's crazy. Does add it's, much, you know, it, um, it's insane. I was watching, I was, I've been watching Taskmaster a lot lately, and it's all these comedians. And I just, the names have completely gone. Never sorry. Really? I am. You know, I am devoid of conversation with anybody because, because you know, I mean, I I read reviews, so yeah. You don't watch television comedy at all. 
Oh, 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 I did watch the first series of Afterlife with uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. I've not seen that. It's a little bit depressing. Um, well, it is, but it's got its excruciatingly embarrassing funny moments in it. Look, I'm, I'm, I like, I'm sorry. I, I've, the, the people, people come here because they want in-depth analysis, forensic, um, you know, <laughs> academic level yeah, analysis of, of international relations. I know, I know. I, well, you, 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 I think we went off with the Barry Gardner whistling thing myself, I and mean, that's where we went all off the rails. We were doing okay until then. It's true. Well, we haven't talked about football. So we, should we just stop now? Go on. No, yeah, quickly tell us what you think about football. Quickly. I, I, I want to. We, we, we do I have think, a running theme. Of I think like it's 11 grown men kicking, kicking a pig's bladder around a green field. How, I'll, and I I'll love it. Safe. How, how safe are Leeds? Uh, we're not safe. We, we're not safe, but we are eight points off uh, fourth from bottom. And uh, although we're going to lose our next game, I actually think we are safe-ish. And I still absolutely love Marcelo Bielsa. Um, and uh, where was I recently? I was at West Ham last week. And, oh my goodness, what a beautiful athletic stadium. What a terrible football stadium. It's yes, a soulless yeah, it's, bowl. It, it's not got any better, has it? No. And, and we were lucky, um, because we're away season ticket holders, we were put in the bottom section where you can actually just about see the pitch. You know, it's only about 80 yards away from you. And then behind us, from the first section, there's this massive stage area where obviously they put bands on. It must be, yeah. it's a good 40 yards across. Yeah. So you've got the first section, maybe 30 rows of seats. Then this flat stage that goes back another 40 yards. And then behind it, the next section starts, obviously going up backwards through the tiers. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, the people at the back from where I was were little sort of dots in the distance so yeah. their view of the pitch it's yeah. just it's just not a football stadium no no I, I even when even when you see it on the TV it's like the, the distances are all weird even the camera angles feel different mm. Mm. it's just yeah it looks well but then again it's West Ham it's Sullivan and Gold in it so I don't really care and I made the mistake of going for a cup of coffee in the Westfield shopping centre without looking at the price guess how much a flat white was four pound it was £4.20 for a cup of coffee. Oh, that is expensive. I mean, I was... I just, that, I, 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 that's you know, more expensive than London, that. It's just nuts. You know, a posh coffee in a posh cafe in London, central London, is £3.20. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> okay. they, they shall, they shall, I shall go to the food court next time and having a McDonald's. They are not getting my customer game. Anyway, Liverpool... Uh, we could do with a month off. We could do with all matches being cancelled until the African <laughs> Cup ends because we are toothless without Salah and uh, Barney. Um, and then I think the season's over anyway. I think it's, it's cities to mm-hmm. to win into it now. So, what we'll, watch the Champions League? Other than that, okay. I'm uh, oh, I've not got um, particularly high hopes. We can end on some comedy football. Did you see the um, at the African Nations Cup? The referee blew full time at eighty five minutes. I didn't see yeah. that. Now, I am not suggesting for a moment, which not, he's not from the he's from Zaire or Zambia, I forget where he's from, this rest. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm not drawing any conclusions that he was investigated for corruption um, in refereeing about six years ago because those uh, allegations were not proven against him. Therefore, when he blew for full time at 85 minutes... Did it stand? He, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure he just got a little confused. So they went off. Yeah. Whoever was losing went at Marley it was. 
Smiley against somebody. Whoever it was was losing went absolutely nuts. They were pointing at the clock on the stadium. Yeah. That actually said 85 minutes. And he didn't seem embarrassed enough. So off they went. And then um, they persuaded him, no, come on, you're having a laugh. So they restarted. And then he blew again at 89 minutes, 40 seconds. No, no injury time, no added time, even though there'd been two VAR decisions and about three substitutions. Oh so that's at least five minutes. Yeah. So again, they went nuts. They all went into the changing rooms. And after half an hour, one of the teams came back. So it looked like it might be happening. And then they all said, oh, forget it. And, and they called it off. And, but the results... <sighs> now, you know, I'm sure there was no corruption involved there whatsoever. Right, okay. I'm not saying I, I didn't see it, but yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Look, okay. have a look. Anyway, um, look, I, 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 I searched long and hard for um, a party song to end. That one. Oh no! Yeah, that's the birdies, birdie song. The birdie song, yeah. So yeah, by Black Lace, was it? Yeah, I can do, I can do, do, do. Yeah, they are. That's a good song. Yeah. Oh, we could, we could sort of pretend that we're both on the floor doing that rowing. Upside up your head, I said. Upside up. I've not, I've not seen that one. Okay. I sorry, I just thought. No. Upside, ups, upside your head. I said, oh, which went into a football chant. Okay. Oh, I, did, I didn't know. No, I said, no. Have you never been to a disco on a Friday night when it floors sticky nope. with beer? No. Oh, mm. Jesus, no. No. You haven't no. lived. You should get out more. I haven't. Um, right. Anyway, I'm, I came up with um, an old an old favourite. Um, a re remake of a, a very lovely song, which... We will find out by the time we do our next podcast in 2023. 2023. Oh, 2023, okay. sorry. Whether uh, this is the swan song for Mr. Johnson. Um, and if it is, well, it, it, it's his party, so he can cry if he wants to. Goodbye. Bye. Nobody knows where my Johnny has gone. But you will be left the same time. That was Tim Marshall's What and the Why podcast, 2022 edition, with a special guest appearance by Tim Marshall. David Way will appear courtesy of the Whitby Abbey Macrame Society. Please remember to follow the science. Yeah, my wife just phoned me just before the show. And she said to me, I've got water in a carburetor. I said, where's the car? She's in the river. So- <laughs>